Hi, this is Dan. And this is Joe. And this is Enough Room. Welcome back. For those of you who have uh, missed the last few weeks, we have been uh, going through a letter, as Joe likes to a call message, it. A message, a Facebook but, message. Yes, a Facebook <laughs> message that we received from... One of our fans, I guess you could yes. say. <laughs> um, no, this this was received uh, um, many months ago. So uh, we're just going through that. And, and so far, I guess, uh, as a big, bit of a rundown, um, we started out talking about our experience. Experience, our stories, yeah. Our, our experience with the, the struggle, I guess. Yeah. Um, and um, I, I ultimately how we got to the point where we were able to understand our identity as children of God. Yes. Uh, first and foremost. Yes. And secondly, how we were able to, um, and I guess that the benefits of coming to the point of being able to identify ourselves as gay. Yes. And accepting that and not allowing, um, I guess, societal and, and church pressure of believing that that was something to be ashamed of yeah. and a problem. Um, to continually drag us down, mm. um, in a nutshell. <laughs> uh, and then last week we talked about love, yeah, um, and the law. And um, I guess that was in response to a, you know her question about um, how or her comment about how it looks like I love Christ and it looks like I follow the law because yeah. of something things yeah. I said. Um, and we just talked about how really the life of Christ gives us an example of what it means to love. Yes. It gives us, uh, I guess, um, an example of how to love Christ and what loving Christ looks like. And, um, ultimately, uh, also leading to what it means to obey the law. Yeah. To be committed to the law. And respect the law. Yep. And all of it came down to... Love. Love, in a nutshell, basically. Um, so, I think that will uh, help a little bit inform some of our discussion today. Yeah, and um, if you haven't listened to it, feel free to go back and have a listen to those two before you go through this one. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, do you want me to read? Yes, yeah. if you want to read the next okay. little snippet. So, just FYI, everyone, we haven't even made it to halfway through yeah. her message. No. <laughs> I think we're still in the first, the first paragraph. paragraph. Yeah. yeah. This could take a while. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, bear with us. Mm. Okay. So, I'll have a read. Um, here we go. How do you reconcile those verses in the Bible? And you know the ones that I'm talking about with your current status. And what is your current status, Mr. Mm. Daniel Loretto? I am engaged to a wonderful oh. Adventist man. Oh, wow. He sounds mm. amazing. He does. He is. <laughs> he is. <laughs> okay. If so... you do say so yourself. Yes. <laughs> so, so what are we talking about? So she's saying, how do you reconcile those other verses in the Bible mm. and your current status? What mm. verses do you think she's <laughs> talking about? Yes. What are those verses? Because she doesn't, as she says, you know the ones I'm talking about. Which I guess reminds me, that's one thing that I always find interesting um, is sometimes when, um, when, when people from the church come into contact with someone who says that they're gay and particularly if they claim to be a gay Christian or a queer Christian, mm. it's amazing how many of them bring out these passages. Like yeah. we've never heard them before. Yeah. It's, it's almost like, Oh, but the Bible says this, have you not read this verse? And well, what about <laughs> reading that verse? And you're like, really? 
You think yeah. that I have gone through my whole life struggling with this in the church yeah. and haven't actually read these. Yeah. So I at least appreciate that she respects me enough to say that I know the ones that she's talking about. Yeah. You know, I, I appreciate that. So, yes. What are those verses? Um... Well, I think we'll, we'll just do them sort of like in order. I guess there's primarily six of them. Yes. If I'm correct. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Six verses slash passages or areas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I guess I just want to say as well, we'll, we'll sort of, there's so much to unpack and there's mm. so much to talk about in this. Um, but we, of course, would want to stick to the time that we've got. Yes. Um, and so I think to maybe towards the end of it, we can mention some resources that yep. people can go to and um, spend time and actually yeah. dig into it. Because And I yeah. think we're obviously dealing with these verses and how we have come to reconcile yeah. um, our current beliefs with these verses. It's obviously going to involve some... I guess, theological discussion. Mm. But at the same time, we don't want to get too deeply into the theology right now because yeah. I think that is something that takes time. Yeah. Um, and that's one reason we will recommend some resources yeah. because we've both been through that journey of taking the time to study, mm. to pray, to research, and to come to the conclusions that we are at now. Yeah. So we're going to, I guess, briefly in a very um, abbreviated manner, share yeah. with you how we do reconcile our beliefs with these verses. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, we we are going to try to keep to our 20-minute time <laughs> limit. So, um, or, you know, maybe 30. We've been pushing it the last few weeks. Yeah. Um, but we are going to try and stick to that. And that doesn't give us a lot of room for discussion. Yeah. And, and the other thing that I really want to highlight as well is that um, the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Um, these discussions, you know, you might be hearing us um, through Spotify or Apple Podcasts, whatever it might be, but at the end of the day, uh, we all need to allow the Holy Spirit and ask the Holy Spirit to come in and help us understand mm. anything to do with Amen. God and anything yep. to do with the Bible. So, mm. yeah, it it's really sad because we can't go into everything, uh, but yeah. I guess we'll just do our best with the time that we have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so do we want to do Sodom and Gomorrah first? Because that's like Why literally. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's probably one thing that is probably the first thing to pop into people's minds when they think of yes. the argument against this. Yeah. I mean, uh, admittedly, a um, a term that was and possibly still mm -hmm. is used for, for years to describe homosexuality. And I think even in some laws, the yeah. term sodomy is used yeah. and it comes from this yeah um and for those who may not be too familiar with the bible or the story of what happens mm. um in this particular story um there were two cities sodom and gomorrah um and there was a man named lot who lived in the city of sodom, sodom yeah. um and so anyway the two cities were about to be destroyed for various reasons um but God said, sends his angels um, to tell Lot and his family to get out of the city, mm. run to the hills. But while the angels are there in Lot's house, the Bible says that the men of the city surround Lot's house mm. and then demand that the two angels be thrown out to them, the Bible says, so that they can have sex with them. Mm. And this is one of those verses that 
people sort of pull out mm -hmm. as soon as you bring up the conversation about yeah. homosexuality. Because ultimately, the result of all of that is, um, well, first of all, the angels actually um, cause all of the men to go blind as a sort of an immediate punishment. But ultimately, they conclude through that experience that, yes, God's judgment on these cities is fair and it's just and they should be destroyed and so they then flee the city and so then therefore the the way that people i guess have interpreted this in for for many years is that the actions of those men prove the sinfulness of sodom they prove the attitude of sodom and how they've interpreted that is that all the men of the that city were gay and all the men of that city were homosexual because all of them demanded to have these two visitors who were angels, but I guess appeared as men. They demanded to have them thrown out so that they can sleep with them. Mm. I think there's... I, I think there's so many issues with that interpretation. And, you have and to make a lot of assumptions. Distilling, yeah. distilling that whole scenario down to homosexuality, it, yeah. I yeah. think in many ways this is one of the first passages we're coming to, but I think in many ways it's one of the easiest to deal with to deal immediately. With, yeah. Because you have to make all sorts of assumptions. Yeah. And the, that's exactly a very good point that you just made, which I haven't actually thought about, is that you have to assume that uh, all of these men of the city, they were all homosexuals. Mm. So you had a city of homosexuals. Mm. Yeah, like, it, and uh, name one city in today's world where homosexuality is, you know, supposedly more accepted and, and even more yeah. popular now because it's a social, I don't know, whatever. Yes. But even now, I mean, you could say that San Francisco, in a sense, is mm -hmm. a bit of a, a hub and a, a gay mecca, for yeah. want of a better term. But even San Fran is not 100% made up of gay men. Yes. Like that's... And it's just unheard of. Yeah. I mean, I used to live in uh, Newtown. Uh, not Sorry, not Newtown. Well, Newtown's <laughs> another suburb. There you yeah, go. Sure. Um, in New Farm in Brisbane. And it was known to be, you know, a gay neighborhood. Mm. But I can tell you for a fact, I think maybe 50 at the most or maybe... Yeah. 40 or even 30% of the neighborhood was gay, you yeah. know? Um, and I think statistically speaking, um, I am sort of speaking for a lot of memory here and, and, and don't quote me on this, but Google it to check. Um, I believe that I guess the most um, generous statistics might suggest that 10% of the mm, population is gay. Is gay. Um, now that is, as I said, that's the most generous, probably mm. the more conservative suggests that it's maybe one to 2%. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so yes, first yeah. of all, straight <laughs> off the bat, how do you immediately make an assumption yeah. that a hundred percent of the male population in that city are gay? Yeah. And, and I'm going to read this verse soon because, we often say, you know, let the Bible interpret itself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but on this one, we seem to ignore, ignore what, the, what Bible the Bible says, yeah. says about um, the city of Sodom and Gomorrah and specifically referencing what their sin was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you can find this in Isaiah. You can find this in Ezekiel. Um, the one that I'm actually going to read is found in Ezekiel um, 
chapter 16, verse 49, and it says, Sodom's sins were pride, gluttony, and laziness. While the poor and needy suffered outside her door, she was proud and committed these detestable sins, so I wiped her out, as you have seen. And so it, it's actually saying, no, Sodom's sins were pride and gluttony and laziness and not looking after the poor mm. and the needy. Nothing to do with mm. homosexuality. And I guess the other thing that will come up in the next few verses is that we're specifically in, in the story of Sodom, it's talking about men who wanted to have sex with men. Mm. Just because you're a man who wants to have sex with another man does not make you gay. No. No, no, it doesn't. Um, Certainly not in this context. No. And in that culture. In, in that culture, exactly. And and I guess I'm sort of like touching on to things like sex, um, sexual orientation. Mm. Um, yeah, just because someone sleeps with another man does not make them gay. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's interesting that Sodom is actually being called out for being lazy and gluttonous yep. and... Um, and I will say I order Uber Eats all the time and I can get very lazy. So maybe I am. Yeah, you do have a little bit of a problem with Uber Eats, I must admit. Mm. But, but yes, I think you're absolutely right. And as you said, we do say we should let the Bible help us interpret the Bible. Um, but I think that, that does lay it out pretty clearly from my perspective. It's about their hospitality. It's about them caring for others. And when you... When you get into a city and all the men from that city, the first thing they want to do is gang rape the visitors. Yeah. That tells you a lot about the attitude of the city. Of the city. And, and, I th- and, you know, I've just said what I believe is one of the biggest sort of thing. Like, I read that story. My biggest question was not, oh, these men are gay. <laughs> it's all these men want to gang rape these visitors. Yeah. That's... It's not about... It's not at all referring to a consensual relationship no. of any kind. No. It's referring to gang rape. Yeah. And and the problem with this is that, you know, what if the angels came down as women yeah. and the men surrounded the city and wanted to rape them? Would we then go, it's wrong to be heterosexual? Yeah. No, we would never say that. Yeah. But say, so yeah, I sometimes I'm just confused how people yeah. tie this story. And I think the gay. other thing is that and this is a whole different, you know, discussion as to why this is, was even an option. But in the story, Lot actually offers his daughters to these men to sleep with in place of the visitors. Yeah. Now, just think about it. If all the men in the city were gay and that was their sin, why would you bother yeah. offering women to them? Yeah. Unless you knew that it wasn't actually them being gay. They were interested in gang rape, you know, like it's, it's a different mindset. And so let's not get into why on (laughs) earth did Lot even offer his daughters. That's just a a whole nother story. But I guess the point there is that was offering nothing. Nothing. If they were gay, Lot was offering them nothing. Mm. So, so why would why would you bother? Why would you bother? Yeah, it it doesn't fit with this scenario and this interpretation that people have built up. Yeah, that this is all about same sex relationships. Mm. Mm. I don't see any hint of same sex yeah. relationships, and I use the term same sex relationships quite clearly. Yeah. 
I don't see any hint of that in this story yeah. whatsoever. And and I guess another thing, and this will sort of tie us into the next um, verse that we're going to look at, mm. is um, the cultural context of that yes. particular society back in those days, yeah. uh, where they would treat, where they would basically rape their enemies yes. or prisoners of war. It was um, a, it was used as a sign of um, uh, superiority yeah, and having power over someone to humiliate them. Yeah, um, and. Just looking at that cultural context, it brings me to the next one on the list, which mm. is the Levitical laws. Yes. So you've got quite a lot of laws in the book of Leviticus. Um, and two of them, I believe, mention, um, you know, men shall not lay with men yeah. as they do with a woman. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because even here, there is, if you read through that whole passage, there is a hint of what they're actually talking about in, yes. you know, uh, in terms of the wider audience. And I think that's something that we don't acknowledge a lot of is mm -hmm. that the person who's writing, and I believe it's Moses, he's writing to a particular group of people mm. at a particular time. And so there are things that are often unsaid um, because it's general knowledge. Yeah. It's all around them. And yep. they know exactly. Like, for example, if I said Black Lives Matter, we would all know exactly yep. what we I'm referring to. Referring to. Um, but if I were to write it on a piece of paper and I put it in one of those time capsules and then someone opens it in like 100 years time when we've forgotten about everything. Yeah. Well, I hope not. Um, but if they open it and they just see that one thing, would they connect with what I'm actually yeah. talking about? You know, yeah, they don't um, have to go and research. They would have to go what and research. What did that mean in our time? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and if you look at those passages, it seems to do more with idolatry. Mm. Um, and I believe I've read in a few places that back then there was actually, um, you know, these fertility cults mm. where men would go uh, to these temples for these fertility yeah. um, cults and have sex with male yeah. prostitutes there. And that was actually part of worshipping the fertility god. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And again, a form of worship. And something that's very clear in Leviticus is that God is trying to um, put a distinction between his people and the nation surrounding them. Mm. So it doesn't necessarily seem like it's, uh, it's a law about two men, um, who are, adult yeah, men who, who love are, each other, who are consensual, yes. who are in a relationship, a committed long-term marriage relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, again, that's another one where you, as soon as you dig a little deeper, mm. it just all seems to fall yeah. apart. Um, and I just want to mention that we're not trying to deconstruct the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're just trying to read it. Yeah. And to explore exactly what God is telling us here. Yeah. Um, and I think, um, as we said at the beginning, we are kind of going to be quickly going through yeah. this. But even even here, hopefully you can hear that there's actually so much that we could talk about there's, and we could oh. go into. It's, it's not some, um, I guess, fleeting argument that we just sort of sweep over and go, oh, let's just ignore that verse. Mm. Um, but that's a yeah, whole other conversation. Yeah. So that... So another verse, uh, now we're jumping into the New Testament. Yeah. Um, so more or less Sodom and the Levitical laws are the only references in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, there's sort of four verses or passages that we're going to be looking at. Mm. Um, so first of all, um, in 1 Corinthians and in 1 Timothy, 
um, might just cover the two of them together. Yeah. There's these um, lists of um, of sins of 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 things, behaviors that are going to keep people out of the kingdom. Yeah. Um, now these were both bitten. Uh, sorry, these were both written, written. by Paul. Um, and what's interest? There's, I guess, there's a few things here. First of all, if you look at it in context, and you'll hear we talk about context a lot, but I think that that's essential to understand the meaning of something, and that doesn't just apply to the Bible. That applies to anything. In today, you know, we know how the media twists things because they take something that has been said, but they take it out of context. Context is essential to understand why certain things have been said, the way they've been said, what's been said, who they've been said to, everything. Anyway, so these two passages go through various lists and the lists are both quite similar. Um, and they're both talking about how uh, these actions, these behaviors are going to keep people out of the kingdom of heaven. Now, in today's translations, in some, some. English translations today, the word homosexual has been put in those list lists. Now, you heard us both <laughs> emphasize that it's some of those English translations. The reason for that is many scholars question whether or not the word homosexual is even related to the original Greek word that Paul used in these yeah. various lists. Because there is no... Uh, well, if you look at the Bible in those particular verses there isn't a word that actually says homosexual. No. It's a translation and interpretation of those words. And part of that is because that wasn't a thing. Like homosexuality wasn't a thing and that's why there wasn't a word for it. Mm. Um, now, there were practices in those days that um, were sexual relationships between two, um, two male partners who weren't necessarily um, partners as, as we would see them today. One thing that's quite well known is um, the practice of pederasty, which was a, um, a, a, a man, a wealthy man, having a young male um, slave or servant who was a sexual partner as mm. well. Now, a lot of issues with this... Um, one being it wasn't necessarily consensual. It was an adult man with a um, a younger male, a, a, a boy. And so you're, you're dealing here with something that is, in our society, that is, um, that, that's someone underaged, someone who does not have, is under consensual age, I guess you could say. And so in that sense, it's not a balanced relationship. It's an abuse of power. It's someone, it's one person who has power over another abusing that power. Um, it's not a balanced relationship. Mm. Um, now you take, if you were to take the gender out of that, um, or, or replace the gender, for example, and you had an adult male who had a young female, a girl who was their slave, who was also a sexual partner, would we be okay with that? No. 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 Because it's not consensual, or even if there is some form of consent, we wouldn't 
really accept that consent because she would be underage. Yeah. Now, to me, again, why have we taken out the you know the age gap and the yeah. um, the issues with that relationship? And distilled it down to all that they're talking about a, a consensual yeah. same-sex relationship like we see today. And and just on that as well, uh, I think it's something that you've mentioned quite a few times now, and I think it's so important. Our understanding of human behavior and human, human sexuality has grown so mm. much since the day of Paul. And, you know, the literature that we have today is actually a lot of them is quite recent. Well, mm. Let's put aside sexuality. Let's talk about medicine, for example. Our knowledge of medical practices has changed so much. Mm. It has actually gotten better, yeah. you know. If I have a fever, I'm not going to sit on my bed and cut myself and bleed out until my fever goes down. Mm. No, I'm going to go to the doctor. I'm going to do whatever it needs yeah. to be done. Um, and, and that's a very good point that you make. You know, our understanding of homosexuality today or... Um, uh, yeah, homosexuality today in terms of two adult men. Um, back then, I don't think they would have had that idea. Mm. There might have been, and I think there were, um, arrangements around that. But it's not to the extent that we understand it today. And to sort of say that Paul was talking specifically about something that we've only fully understood recently mm. yeah it's it's kind of weird you're trying to put words into paul's mouth yeah. that he would not have known yeah which i think is it's very dangerous and it's very disturbing as well and so i think um i think again we've kind of um sort of gotten distracted yeah. speaking about i mean how many issues there is with the interpretations so today much. but but i guess the, ultimately the point is the words there that are interpreted in some translations as homosexuality. Um, uh, yeah, there are many scholars who disagree with that as an interpretation. And, and in many ways, it's almost impossible that that's what he meant because it mm. didn't exist in exist. the way that we know it today. Yeah, exactly. Um, and there are, there are many other things that Paul was more likely referring to, according to a lot of um, biblical scholars. Yeah, and, and I guess that brings us into Romans, for example, where he condemns people swapping out their usual partner for someone of the same gender. Mm. And again, in the context, he, he's, he's actually talking about a certain practice related to idol worship. And yes. we only have to read around that particular text to actually find out that, no, he's actually talking about something mm. else here um, and then quickly on to Jude as well um, or the verse found in Jude about you know lusting after strange flesh mm. Jude references the angels in Sodom somehow we've made this whole story about Sodom and lusting after the flesh of angels to be lusting after the f uh, to be lusting after men mm. And even then, you know, it's we're talking about lust. We're yeah. not talking about a consensual relationship between two adult yeah. men. There's just so much here, <laughs> so yeah. much. And I'm looking at the time, and we're almost at 30 minutes. <laughs> and I think, I think what um, you've probably heard us keep going back to, but I think I, I think it is really important. Um, you know, Romans, the passage there talks about going against the natural desires of the flesh. Now, we have 
as we've referenced, there's been a lot more study in more recent years around sexuality. Sexuality, heterosexuality or homosexuality, either way, sexuality was not a thing. You know, you go back a century or so, sexuality was not a thing. Um, I think I heard someone recently saying that um, there wasn't even an idea that um, women were sexual in any way. Yeah, or that women had orgasms. You know, from half a century ago. Yeah. It wasn't until half a century ago that people even knew that. Like, that's the world that we're living in. We live in a world now that is so much more aware of sexuality in Mm. general. And... um, and sexuality is a thing now. It wasn't back then. Mm. And so for for him to be referencing people going against what was natural, he wouldn't have necessarily had any concept that it could actually be natural for yes. someone to desire the same gender. Mm. And that is what studies are showing more and more. In this day and age, the more people have studied it, the more that they've realized Sure, there may not be a gay gene, that, but there doesn't have to be a gene for something to be natural. Mm. And um, again, that's a whole different topic. And, and again, just <laughs> Google it. There are so many studies that show that, that sexuality is a, is a real thing. Oh, yeah. People yeah. actually are naturally attracted to a certain gender, whether that be the opposite or the same or you know something in yeah. between which is yeah. again a whole other topic it's, but it's an accepted scientific fact mm. um and i guess we would love to go through everything but i think there might be a few books we could maybe um yeah absolutely i think as as we said there this is really a theological discussion and i think at some point in time we may dive deeper into this and, and really explore the theology yeah. let us know if you want us to do um, that actually but until then, if you're interested, uh, we can certainly recommend Torn by Justin Lee. That's probably not so much of a theological read as, as a personal, uh, sharing his personal experience. Um, and uh, you've also, I mean, I've also read a book called um, uh, Two Views on Homosexuality marriage and the scriptures i think (laughs) i do remember it was edited by preston sprinkle um that is quite a more of an in-depth theological discussion it's actually four different scholars who each uh, write different articles or portions of the book two of them write in favor of um the an, an affirming theology and two of them write against an affirming theology what I find interesting is that with all four of them, none of them suggest that homosexuality as an orientation is ever condemned in the Bible. Mm. Um, so certainly I think that that is just a, um, a, a, a very well-founded, um, um, uh, I guess, interpretation or understanding of the scriptures that it does not condemn the orientation. Um, so I think if that's even a question for you, definitely study, research, and and rethink that. Um, so the, yeah, as I said, that that could be a book that you could look at if you if you want more of a theological discussion. Mm. Um, for those Adventists out there, um, there is a film called Seventh Day Adventists. Um, in saying that, non-Adventists. 
anyone um, could definitely benefit from watching that sort of film. Again, it doesn't necessarily go into a lot of the theology, um, but it really uh, helps you see into the lives of people who, what they've had to deal with and how they've come to um, reconcile these verses. Mm. Um, if you Google Seventh-day Adventists and go to their website, there is actually plenty of free videos you can download. There's the Outspoken series. Um, there is enough room at the table, not associated with our podcast, um, but uh, great, yeah. uh, great resource. Um, and I think one yeah. other book that I really have to um, put out there is um, A Place at His Table by mm. one of our good friends, uh, Joel Hollier. Um, again, great, great book to read. Um, and it, yeah, it's it's crazy how much we've gone through. We haven't really gone through a lot. I feel like we've just scratched the surface. Yes. <laughs> um, and yet it's taken us. And it's time. taken us, exactly. <laughs> um, so please, if you've got those, if you've got questions, send it through to us. But at the same time, take note of some of the resources we've just spoken about. Um, Google is a great tool. Google studies, Google mm. conversations that people have had. Um, I think the Bible is a great book. Yes. But we have to be honest about our approach with it. Yes. Um, not only for ourselves, but for so many other people out there who are struggling with this question, who are struggling with who they are and who God has created them to be. And I think the other thing is that, as you said, the Bible is such a great book but we need to understand how to interpret it. Yeah. And the other thing is we need to understand how to apply it. Yeah. And so next week, tune in because we are going to continue this discussion from a bit of a different angle. Um, and we're going to talk about the application of the word. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Enough Room. We'll be dropping another episode in about a week's time. So until then, follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. Till next time. Bye. Bye.